2: I had five pupils.
3: We're here.
1: What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses.
3: Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So, Casper Mattresses is, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So, listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another
1: episode of The Corner Podcast. Back again. It is Kel Dansby and Andreas Hale. Shout out to the sponsors. You guys already know. This is actually a special episode this week, trying up a little something different. So there's weeks that'll come up where me and Andreas don't have a lot of time on our hands. So we got to kind of condense the show, keep it to an hour. So we're trying this new format. It's called the Verses format for The Corner Podcast. Testing my skills, my knowledge against the great Andreas hell. You know, I'm going to come out victorious. Dre, are you ready for this?
3: Yeah, but first, uh, remember what I said about I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State swept the Cleveland?
1: I don't remember that. It's not— You I, don't? I don't? know? No, I don't want to listen to that episode. Oh, okay. No.
3: All right. I'll just just making sure. No, I'm
1: just letting you know. What a hell of a game, though. KD? Yeah, well— KD a killer.
3: All, all I said, too much firepower. I mean, you're going to be—look, we're not going to get into this too deep, but you're going to be <laughs> a killer when you have— three killers around you. Well, two killers around you. It's not as hard to be a killer. Not saying that Kevin Durant was a great player before, but it's a lot easier when you got Steph that can nuke from anywhere and Klay Thompson can get hot. So it's a little bit easier for Kevin Durant than it is LeBron James.
1: No, that's very true. But trust, LeBron isn't going to sit on his hands this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised that Tristan Thompson contrast coming right off the books, he's going to go get help. It, it, I'm not I mean, sure I, if it's going to work, but he's going to try. I mean, he might try to bring in old man Wade. He might try to, you know, finagle a mellow trade. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler is hanging in the wind. You have Paul George possibly coming off free agency. I think Chris Paul is coming up as well. There's some options.
3: There's some options, but, you know, it won't be Chris Paul. If if, if it were to be anybody, it could be Paul George. But even then, you're still looking at a Golden State team where you have all four of their stars are under 30.
1: Yeah, I mean, LeBron's not looking at the future. LeBron's looking at right now. I mean, yeah, no, I'm just saying. I'm Yo, saying. Yo, steal two. If
3: you can if you pick up anybody. Like, name a player. The only other, the only player that LeBron could pick up that would help would be somebody like Anthony Davis. You need somebody young that can yeah, go. Davis, with,
1: boogie, something like
3: that. No, Anthony Davis. I'm not even gonna put boogie in this conversation. I'm saying Anthony Davis will help you, like, because this team this team that we're watching right now is the best offensive team I've ever seen in my life. No, that's
1: true, but I mean, last night you could see when LeBron turns it on. He's still the best player in the world.
3: Yeah, but he scored, how many points he scored in the fourth fourth quarter?
1: Well, he he died out. That's been the story of the series,
3: right? That's my point. Like, we got a seven-game series with a 73-9 Golden State team that added, arguably, the second or third best player in the NBA right now. It's a tall task. Dude, too much firepower. I said it from the jump. Too much firepower. The team's too good.
1: And I'm, I'm secretly happy I didn't want to go back to Oakland for Game wow. 5. So, uh, shout out to them for saving me with that one last night. About to change that ticket over.
3: Yeah, so let's do this.
1: Alright, so, like I said before, it's the Versus episode before Andreas Hale got to be talking basketball to gloat. We're going to choose a side on each topic in different categories. So, you'll hear some boxing, some wrestling, some MMA, some others. Um... We're actually going to start out with the other, and that's hip-hop, which we usually talk on this show. I was going to throw Trump in here, but we don't got enough time for that. We we, don't don't got – we're going to battle impeachment or over under a year left of Trump. But uh, we're on time constraints. That's what we need Ryan McKinnell in for. Uh, So we're starting off with Drake versus Kendrick. Who is hotter right now? Not career – Nine well, let, let's be clear.
3: You put the hottest rapper right now. Hottest rapper right now. Okay, there you go. What are you,
1: wait, are you going to battle semantics with me? Of because, course. Because I of the way I wrote go it? ahead. All right. Go ahead. I'm starting it off. I'm taking Drake. Drake's hotter than Kendrick right now. Drake is on everything. And I don't want to bring awards into it, but he's setting records. He just had the most awards, billboards, history. That performance was crazy at the Bellagio. Water fountains, water everywhere. Um, there's fire and shit. Whenever you got fire and pyro, you're literally hot. And he's on everything. The Gucci main song is stuck in my head. I, I listen to it at least six times a day. And I hate listening to radio, but if it's on, I'll let it rock. So I didn't even know that was a Gucci song. I thought it was a Drake song. Not until I had to try to search it on iTunes and I couldn't find it. So Drake is, is killing everything he's touching. The playlist is growing on me. Kendrick, great project. One of my favorite albums from Kendrick. Um, as of late, but even then, he drops it, and he just fades away. Drake is still here. Kendrick has dropped a couple dope features. Um, Let me not say that. He's on a remix. Uh, I forgot what song it is, but he's on the remix and absolutely murders that. Still, not as hot as Drake right now. Drake's just on that different level, and I'm not a Drake stand. You've been a Drake fan forever, but right now, I can't deny it. Drake is hot and Kendrick, only because he's more... In the public eye.
3: And I feel like it's going to carry him through the summer. Yeah, you're wrong. Dude. The hottest <laughs> rapper right now is Kendrick Lamar. If you're talking about the hottest pop star, sure, it could be Drake. Drake is pop. He's, he's popular in, in terms of pop music. Um, his playlist is mostly singing and doing other things. But when you're talking about rappers, Kendrick Lamar is hotter than Drake by a country mile. No, Kendrick, <laughs> but, but Kendrick Lamar just went berserk on the Mask Off remix, which is arguably one of the hottest songs that Future's ever done. And I don't even like Future, but that, like the Mask Off challenge by itself was huge, and that was viral. So, in terms of rappers, Kendrick is Kendrick is of course hotter. I mean, people are still playing Damn. He's he's going on a tour where the tickets are astronomically high for to, to go see him, and he's selling out arenas. So when he, he he's, outpriced he's got, me. Yeah, he hasn't disappeared. He's going on tour to clean up what's left. He's going to clean up his own confetti, which that confetti is going to be more dollars than are going to come down. So he's on TMZ. Like people are taking a video of this dude getting pulled over like for nothing. Or, or, they're, or they're shitting on him because he bought his, uh, his sister. What did he buy her? Uh, a Nissan or something? No, he bought her, he bought her like a Camry, a, a- Corolla. K- yeah. And people were pissed. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You guys By the are way, mad.
1: that's the same shit as the Lexus. It just has a different emblem.
3: Yeah, I mean, but the point is, it's like, why are we even talking about this? Kendrick can buy his sister whatever she wants. He just graduated high school. Am I supposed, like, I'm not buying any of my kids anything <laughs> expensive, right? Like, until you can prove to me that you deserve it. Like, that. no matter how much money I have, you have to teach your kids the value of the dollar. But my point is this. Kendrick is the hottest rapper. Drake, yeah, he did great at the Billboard Awards, but people have already forgotten about Views. As much as I love Passion F- Fruit, as much as I love Get It Together on the Views album, I mean, I'm sorry, not the Views album. What the hell am I talking about to you? This is, this is what I'm talking about. This so is the playlist. The point is that, that Drake, <laughs> yes, when he Drake shows up on somebody's work, yeah, he's, he's hot. And people are, are impressed and love what Drake does, but everybody talks about Kendrick. It, it, like this is somebody who is the hottest rapper period there's nobody touching him at, in terms of rap and what people want to see him do drake's just a bigger pop star
1: the the mask off remix definitely helps kendrick but drake i feel like he's going to carry this into the summer he's on the Nicki minaj joint um the dj Khaled album drops here in a couple of weeks you know he's going to be all over that
3: Tooth the max is hot i can't front
1: yeah so i mean it's just all the time drake's just going to pump out hit after hit after hit in the summer and Kendrick's on tour, which is great, but it's gonna do the normal Kendrick and not to lump J. Cole in his conversation, but J. Cole esque, drop an album, two dope songs, go on tour, see you guys in three years. So by mid-July, it's gonna be like, Okay. All right, Kendrick. Like it's gonna be all about Drake.
3: Well, you said the hottest rapper right now. So Kendrick is hotter than Drake right now. Drake hasn't done his summer thing yet. More life came out, what did more life come out in February? And I'd, I'd say Drake was completely silent, but yeah, he's always around. But said the hottest rapper, and that's Kendrick, and that's right yeah. now. And his tour is going to be is something that everybody wants to see. And that's right now. That is absolutely right now. So Drake
1: drops that, drops that tour dates,
3: that tour schedule
2: on.
3: Yeah, and I'm, all the pop people show up. I'm just saying, you said rapper, I'm saying Kendrick Lamar. You saw him pop star, it's Drake. That's like, it's the, it's, it's, Drake is a pop star. I mean, Kendrick is, is a pop star in some senses as well. But in terms of a rapper and who, like, bars, it's Kendrick Lamar.
1: All right, well, you guys have to decide and tell us who won. Don't side with Andreas just because you think it's Andreas and you want to have a goddamn Mikkel moment. No, tell the truth. Tell us on Twitter who won this discussion, who's hotter right now, Drake or Kendrick Lamar. But right now, on to the next subjects. The first pupil,
2: his name was Santien. He practiced the centipede style. North as a centipede. Thank you. Speedy move was as fast as a centipede. Ha! Ha! Ha!
1: Next up we have Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson versus Dana White. Dana's cracking the whip finally in the UFC. Dana's telling him he has to fight who he wants him to fight, and that's T.J. Dillashaw. Dana's going for the money, and really right now, WME just cares about the money. So, I'm taking Dana White's side because this is what he set up. People say, oh, the precedent is to let the fighters pick the fights and all this stuff. No, the precedent is to set the fights that make the most money. And the most money right now is TJ Dillashaw versus Demetrius Johnson. Because without that, Demetrius Johnson's a FS1 guy. With it, he's a pay-per-view guy that they can stick at the beginning of September, the end of September, early October, and they can carry that card. Without that, Demetrius Johnson doesn't have a a legit foil, and he's not selling anything. He's not selling pay-per-views. I mean, the guy can be a sellout on Twitch and people tune in, But that doesn't convert to pay-per-view buys. And with Conor McGregor out for God knows how long with this Mayweather fight, GSP not returning until the end of the year, if that. And then you have Bisping just waiting. I mean, they need stars. John Jones in D.C., I'm not even counting until I see that shit. And until I'm in L.A. and the fight's happening and they're walking to the octagon, I still won't believe it yet. Because I fell for that. I fell for that hoax way too many times. I'm not falling for the jig again. So Mighty Mouse is in the wrong. I understand he wants to break the record. He wants to pass Silva. He wants to be the greatest of all time in something. But if you do that, you take whatever challengers come along. That's the definite definition of a champion. You don't say, I take the number one contender. No, you take the best fighter. And the best fighter is TJ Dillashaw. Now, if he doesn't make the weight, he's going to give you his money. It's a win-win. Then it's a catch weight. You don't got to worry about the the little record on the line, you don't got to worry about losing your belt. Everyone wins. You get the dough. You get a random fight. Go on. You fight who you want to fight after that. Get your record. If he makes the weight, then you go out there and you prove that you can do what Dominic Cruz did. You prove that you can do what TJ Dillashaw said he was going to do, and that's beat TJ Dillashaw. There's no reason to be scared. There's no downside in this. I don't even know why Mighty Mouse is going to play
3: you're, you know, everything that you said would make sense if Dana White hasn't doubled back on his word before. If Dana White wasn't allowing fighters to take money fights, if Dana White wasn't allowing George St. Pierre, who never competed in the middleweight division, to fight Michael Bisping for a middleweight title, um, then he'd be okay. Like, because Dana White has complained about someone like Tyron Woodley trying to pick a fight, but he doesn't complain when Conor McGregor's trying to fight at, at lightweight and not defending his featherweight title. And Or he complains when he wants, he wants to fight Floyd Mayweather and holding up divisions. But then he's going to be upset with Demetrius Johnson, who's trying to abide by the honor system. Because let's be honest here. Why are there rankings if we're not going to use them? Right? All DJ is trying to do is restore order to the system. Now, more importantly, you look at a situation where DJ is going to be set up to fight somebody like TJ Dillashaw. Let's be completely honest here. Is this fight really selling? Uh, it can this be was, a pay-per-view fight. <laughs> is, is it really selling? Like Demetrius Johnson against Ray Borg or Demetrius Johnson versus T.J. Dillashaw, to an MMA fan, a few more of us will probably buy more pay-per-views. But to the general public, they don't care. Let's be real. They don't care. They don't care about Demetrius Johnson versus T.J. Dillashaw. It's the casual fight fans aren't spending $50 to watch Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson. It's like Chocolatito right now. DJ's in that tough spot. He's, he's not going to sell. And I'm glad he's finally spoke up because I've been trying to get DJ to say this for years. He hasn't been marketed properly. And now Dana White, like whether you want to admit it or not, these are bullying taggers. I'm going to shut down your entire division because you're too good. What the fuck kind of shit is that? <laughs> this is ridiculous. So to try to tell him, like obviously, from a fan's perspective, I would say, yes, I'd like to see the DJ-TJ fight more than DJ and Ray Borg. However, Dana White set a precedent. And then Dana Wright has gone back to say, I'm tired of guys talking about money fights. All right. Well, DJ's not talking about it. He's the one guy who has consistently abided by the rules to fight who, who is in his division, who is ranked. Because as unfortunate it is, yes, he's probably going to wash Ray Board, But whose fault is that? TJ's only getting this fight because Cody Garbrandt got hurt. And there is no guarantee he makes it wait. Now, when you say everybody wins if tj doesn't make weight and he comes in heavier than demetrius johnson and demetrius johnson loses that fight everybody does not win cuz perspective is perception is everything so if he loses whether it's the you know the middleweight streak or not the fact is is he lost and that's what people are going to remember they're not going to care about what weight my uh TJ was at. They're not gonna care about all the semantics going into the fight. All they're gonna look at is what happened in that cage and they're gonna say, oh DJ's not the greatest. He lost. Because I guarantee you if he loses to TJ, regardless there's like a five pound weight difference or whatever the fact may be, DJ won't be the number one pound for pound fighter anymore. No.
1: Nah, so there is will hold loser. that against him. Yeah, that's true.
3: There's a loser here. So again, if Dana White didn't set the precedent by complaining about fighters chasing money fights, which is strangely enough, a black guy, Tyrant Woodley and another black guy now, Demetrius Johnson. I'm not saying it's racial. Stay woke. I'm stay woke. <laughs> the, my point is, is that if you've allowed George St. Pierre to do this and you were like, oh, now you're going back. So he's going to fight at welterweight. Like, dude, you got to have a standard here. Right? You got to fight within – like there should be a reason for rankings. This isn't boxing. That's the whole point of the UFC is that this is not supposed to be boxing where guys can just jump around and fight whoever they want. This is all kind of McGregor's fault, by the way. It's all kind of McGregor's <laughs> fault. Everything don't blame here is for everything. It's McGregor's fault. Good or bad, he's changed the dynamic of MMA completely. It, it, like the concept of money fights didn't really even exist until Conor McGregor came along. So, all that to say this: one guy who has done everything right by the UFC, never complained, always fought whoever was in front of him, didn't say shit. Now you're going to try to switch it up on some last minute shit and, and suggest, well, if TJ doesn't make weight, we'll throw another guy in there. DJ deserves better than that. More importantly than anything else, pay that man, Sally. I was about pay. to say he wants a mill. Only way he's getting close to a mill is TJ. So no, shut no, up no. and fight. He needs to be guaranteed a mill for this fight. As much as he's done for the UFC, guarantee this man some money. You can't keep paying him pennies and expect him to fight TJ Dillashaw for nothing. It's a risk. Let's just be honest. Fighting TJ is a risk because TJ. All this does is if he, if he were to win, it just muddles up everything even more. But the fact is, is like Demetrius Johnson is probably underpaid for being as good as he is. So if you want him to fight, pay the man to fight. You can't have him fight for the same money that he would fight Ray Borg to fight TJ Dillashaw from another division. Because that's not what Canelo's doing in boxing. That's not what other athletes are doing. Because if you're going to say the president, this is like boxing, pay the man for what he's worth. Yeah, Nate the Diaz didn't do that money. shit.
1: Nate Diaz said, pay me what I'm worth
3: to fight Conor. Pay me more than I'm worth. That's what I'm saying. So if, <laughs> if, if you don't want to pay him, let him fight Ray Borg. And let him fight in his backyard Seattle in August like your original plan was supposed to be. And move on. Because, dude, Cody will be back soon. And they can resume. Because TJ's biggest money fight is against Cody Garbrandt, not Demetrius Johnson. So you might as well wait for that fight. Because if you lose to DJ, it takes down a little bit of luster off the TJ-Cody Garbrandt fight.
1: Yeah. Listen, I'm not sure. How would it take off of Cody Garbrandt fight because it would then be champion versus champion?
3: Because, no, no, no. If TJ lost. not if he, won, oh, if, if he lost. TJ lost to DJ. Yeah. I mean, that's the risk TJ is willing to take. It, but it's a, it's a risk. It's an, un, it's an unnecessary risk. From an argumentative perspective, it's an unnecessary risk. Because it's not like Cody—like, we haven't found out exactly how long Cody's going to be out. But if it's only going to be for a couple months— Just have the goddamn fight in October.
1: It's about what you can do now, though. And they're not making money now. No one can argue that that? the UFC is making money. Conor McGregor's fault. That's (laughs) whose fault it is. But WME bought a lemon. And Dana's feeling the pressure. He got the icy, cool breath of Ari on his neck. And Uh, he's trying everything in his mom's to make a fight that feels special. And this, even though it's on the smallest level of special, is special.
3: Casual fans still aren't tuning in. You might get an, another 30,000 pay-per-views out of this. 60, maybe. Listen, You're not don't, breaking don't the Don't
1: underestimate fame. Dana. He'll just slap an interim belt on TJ Dillashaw just for the fuck of it. Just to sell this fight. As it still champion ain't selling. You
3: know, you know the funny thing about that is? It still doesn't sell fights. Because MMA fans are smarter than that, so they see through it. And casual fans don't care. They don't. Damn, casual fans... By hook or casual, by crook. Dude, casual fans care about... Who is the most mainstream fighter? Like, like to a lot of casual fans, like Nate Diaz is like a godsend. Even though this dude has lost his fair share of fights, the fact that he be Conor McGregor makes him huge. And it's a mainstream thing. It's a casual thing. This is how fight. This how sports, combat sports works. These guys who are the the more visible people, yeah. Like Demetrius Johnson is not that guy. No matter who he fights, unless he fights Conor McGregor. So just, <laughs> just dude, just go do your ranking thing. Let or, or pay him. That's it. That's, that's how I feel. Hey, listen, I'm all for
1: paying him, but DJ, if the money's there, got to take that shit.
3: I don't want to hear about Ray Borg anymore. Hey, if they, if they pay him a million, I think DJ's going to take that fight. But if they pay him $150,000, I'm pretty sure he's not going to take that they fight. Better,
1: they better pay him more than $150,000. <laughs> I'm telling you that. and not getting pay-per-view points is a crocker shit. shit. Um, he's headlined a UFC fight. Yes. I don't understand a pay-per-view. I don't know how he didn't get pay-per-view points for so, that. Listen,
3: the man said he had to fly coach to another country for a fight as your champion. Come on, man. Come on.
1: You gotta come out of pocket or something, man. Something. Something's gotta give. That's rough. All right, on to the next subject. Once again, make sure you guys tell us who you think is right in that situation. DJ or the UFC, we'll be waiting
2: to hear on Twitter. Now, number two, practice the snake style. He was known as the snake spirit. He had the speed of the snake. Snake style, known for its incredible agility,
1: <laughs>
2: agility and speed.
1: <laughs> Sticking on the lines of blame everything on Conor McGregor, our next topic. Bigger boxing match of the year, Canelo Triple G or Mayweather McGregor? This was hard you to this was You hard want me to split. go first? Yeah, you go first. You, you,
3: take, you take this, mic. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you the opportunity to counter, right? I'm going right. to give you the opportunity to counter go, for go once. Go eight mile. Let's see. All right. Let's see this. So here we go. The bigger fight this year is Canelo Triple G. This is a very simple reason why it's the biggest fight this year, because it's fucking happening. Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather isn't even happening. It's not even on the books. So, yeah, I'm going to take the first punch here because we have a fight on the table that is actually happening that people are going to watch. It's It's the biggest fight. For fight fans to appreciate. You wanna talk about a big event? You can have your Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather. But that shit ain't happening this year. Steven Espinosa just recently said that nobody has contacted him about this fight at all. And if Showtime's not involved, there is no fight. More importantly, there is no fight this year. So, Dana White can talk to Floyd Mayweather all he wants, which still hasn't happened yet. Dana White can talk to Conor McGregor all he wants. And they can strike their little deals. But if you don't have a network broadcasting the fight, I'm sorry to tell you, fight's probably not happening this year. So, yes, Triple G and Canelo is the bigger fight this year.
1: <laughs> All right. Fair point that the other one's not booked. But I'll tell you this. It's going to get booked. I am fully confident in that right now. Dana, don't let me down. It's going to happen. And I think they're going to put it on after Canelo, Triple G, just to make a point. That you guys are good, but you guys aren't this. So, you know, all the talk of Mayweather and Dana White saying, oh, they took the date and all this stuff. I'm now on board with you when you say the date doesn't matter. They will come out in October and they will crush the numbers Triple G and Canelo Alvarez put up. And I fully expect Triple G, Canelo Alvarez to get in the 1.5s, which is big for boxing. Maybe a little bit more. And that's still going to be half, if not less than half, of what Mayweather McGregor is going to draw in. Anything less than 2.7, and I'm shocked. Anything less than 2.7, and I, I don't know. I'll do some wild shit and, and film it and put it on the podcast page, on the social media or something. I don't, I de- I'll put anything that is not going to be under 2.7 mil. And they'll probably charge $100 for the pay-per-view. And people they won't will still again. buy it. They could do it again and people still buy it because the intrigue is there. The fact that people actually doubt that Conor McGregor can land a punch. When I think Floyd is smart enough to let him hit him several times, just hit him the right way. Floyd ain't going to get caught clean. This boxing, everything's glancing. But just like in the Maidana fight, Floyd knows how to be hit when he wants to be hit. And he knows how to sell the drama. Triple G talks about big drama show. No, that's Floyd Mayweather. There's a reason why he has zero power now left in his career, and he's still putting up the best numbers as far as paydays that he's ever had. That Pacquiao fight had zero drama, zero power, anything. People were glued to that shit, complaining all the way, but glued because they were expecting Pacquiao to land the punch. I remember it was the sixth of the seventh round. Pacquiao finally caught him with a clean punch. Everyone went crazy on Twitter. Everyone. Skip Bayless lost his damn mind. Everybody was getting hype. Pacquiao didn't land shit else. Because Floyd knows when to be hit. He knows how to build the entry. He knows to lean against the rope, cover his face, and take body punches like that's actually hurting him when it's not. And for all of these reasons, even the fight, not even the spectacle, the fight itself will end up bigger than Triple G versus Canelo. Because Triple G versus Canelo... No matter what anyone says, I expect it to be close. I expect it to be two high-class fighters, and it's going to be a seven rounds to five, or a six to six with a knockdown. It's going to be what we saw in Kovalev Ward, which is great boxing. But it's not the same as a (gasps) what-if boxing match, and that's what you get. What if Conor McGregor connects, and that sells so much more? That's why it's the biggest boxing match And I don't think it goes into next year. I think Dana hits the panic button and give Floyd whatever he wants. Because at this point, he can't be without Conor McGregor in the UFC for much longer. you got to hit the panic button, let him fight for whatever, take your little dough, and come on so you can keep making us money. And and we can make sure that we're capitalizing off you and put you back in the situation where now we're taking all the money and giving you a little bit of it and not splitting it with anyone. Because the UFC has the best Monopoly out. Conor McGregor's trying to break the mold, but at the end, he's always going to be underpaid. So you got to get his ass back under the umbrella as fast as you can. And they'll do anything to make the fight. You have no faith in it. I have all the faith in the world. It'll be bigger than Canelo and Triple G. Mind you, I'm going to enjoy every second of the Canelo and Triple G fight when we are there. But I'll have one eye on McGregor versus Mayweather.
3: Well, there's one thing I got to say to this. Uh, You said... Floyd Mayweather knows how to get hit. the the, the Marcos Maidana fight. He put him in a position to make he put himself in the position to make the fight more interesting. Correct. I don't think he wanted to get hit. He put himself against the 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 ropes in the corner where he allowed Marcos Maidana to try to hit him.
1: Well, that's what I meant to say. That's what I was trying to say. And Canelo against- Alvarez did the same thing against Amir Khan, which is why I say Canelo learned that from that Floyd fight, where he went against the ropes and pe- and just kind of let Khan. Tee off on him for a second, but he's not getting hit clean. Is doing nothing.
3: Well, my point is Floyd was trying to sell a rematch. He ain't selling a rematch against Conor McGregor. I think he's going to need to beat that ass. Anything else is uncivilized. But to, to your point, yeah, if the fight gets made, it's the biggest event this year. As far as a fight is concerned, people will tune in. Everything's based on watching the fight. Like The reason people want to watch Canelo Triple G is because it's competitive. People want to watch Mayweather McGregor because it's an event between the two because the bill not it, nothing matters in the ring what has more no, question marks in the ring which fight is more unpredictable in the ring canelo and triple g that's not true that is very true <laughs> come on man connor a can guy... knock
1: out mayweather mayweather that's can not, knock I... out connor which is crazy he hasn't knocked no, out someone no, in five years no, six years no
3: no stop stop for you to say that connor can knock out floyd has never fought in a boxing match in his life how, how could we even say that? Listen, I like, think it
1: has a point zero 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 one point zero 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 one 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 one, and just take it all the way out.
3: But it can happen. So, so, so let's. That's if that's your point. You, you, you're clearly uh, forgetting about the fact that Connor cannot win a decision against Floyd Mayweather. Correct.
1: All right, no, I will give you that. Fair point. Okay.
3: Can Canelo and Triple G? One of those guys can win a decision. Correct. One of those guys could be knocked out. It could be a one side, Like we really don't know what we're getting with Canelo and Triple G. We're picking. Like I've rolled with Triple G do since you, they. Do you
1: think it's going to be a blowout fight in either direction? Like it just could cakewalk.
3: But that's the unpredictability about this fight, and that's why it's far more unpredictable than Conor and Floyd. Conor and Floyd, even the odds look at this and go, "Get the fuck out of here." Floyd should <laughs> run over Conor McGregor. Conor's right? a what? lot
1: closer than Berto was
3: which is crazy and, and it, but that's because there's going to be a lot of money coming on McGregor from a bunch of stupid people. But Canelo Triple G is a far more competitive fight where a lot of people really don't know what's going to happen. Like if if it was one side, like if Golovkin ran in there and just ran over Canelo, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to be that one sided. I think, you know, if you ask me right now, I think Golovkin could knock him out deep into the fight. But who knows well Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather I come into that fight going there's one way this fight's going to go it's one way traffic <laughs> anybody with a brain knows which way there's no un- real unpredictability it's a bunch of it's almost like for, for you it's almost like this Cavs Warriors series where you're going <laughs> well they can win a couple of games I, like I said I will not be surprised if Golden State runs them over I will not be surprised if Floyd Mayweather steps in that ring with Conor McGregor and runs him over and knocks him out not at all I would be absolutely surprised if Conor McGregor laid a finger on Floyd Mayweather and hurt him. I'd That'd be, be some fl- shit. I don't know if Floyd knocks him out. That'd be crazy. It's just, it's just not something like when you talk about unpredictability. This this kind of Floyd fight is far more predictable than Canelo Triple G.
1: I think there's a bigger chance of a wow moment. I just you no one can wrap their head around McGregor winning. How crazy yeah, would that shit be?
3: That, but that's that's not that's not unpredictable. That is a shocking moment in a vacuum. That is not something that anybody's expecting at all. That's not like you like there are more ways that things can happen in a triple G Canelo fight in terms of who can win and how, where nobody thinks Floyd, nobody thinks at all that Connor can beat Floyd in a boxing match. Straight no, up, no,
1: that's the only thing ruled out is the so decision. That,
3: that's out of here. Like and even a Connor knockout, it's like Floyd's never been beat. Like come on, guys, let's be serious here. So Conor, Floyd's never been beat. He's been hurt by a couple of people. A couple.
1: It's hard to knock someone out smooth in boxing um, and catching you know, with, like, the Pacquiao, their Amir Khan-style knockout where they just laid out. Um, and that's even the most skilled guys. So I'll give you that. Because if Connor touches him and, and hits him hard,
3: Floyd still gets a 10 count. Dude, I mean, dude, Connor has never fought anybody. Like, I think if Floyd fought in MMA and hit somebody with those small-ass gloves, he knocked them out. As accurate as Floyd Mayweather is, Ooh. there's a difference with a big Would it be a football.
1: closer fight if Floyd fought in MMA than it is Connor fighting in boxing?
3: Yes. Here's why. Connor's a stand-up fighter. Hmm. So it's a little bit more intriguing in an MMA fight because Connor doesn't necessarily take people down. He probably would, right? Like that, That's probably what would happen. <laughs> yeah,
1: but he still but, had to catch Floyd. You got to get close I, enough to do so.
3: But but my point is, in an MMA fight, I think Conor still approaches the fight standing up, right? So it gives Floyd at least a chance. Like, yeah, these two, in a boxing match where there are no kicks allowed, like, Conor has no chance. Not to say Floyd has much of a chance in an MMA fight, but the longer it stays standing, the more opportunities Floyd has to hit him. Because if Nate Diaz can rock that chin, Floyd Mayweather probably can too. That's
1: crazy. I mean, that... That's a good one. Once again, choosing sides for that one was tough. Um, I just think it's the bigger fight. It, it's so crazy. You guys let us know what you think, because right now we gotta move on to the next subject. Our tech, our 10 minutes for that one is up. Now
2: the third one, number three, practice the scorpion style. The style resembles the scorpion pincer. A little later he never met number one or
1: number two next up we have jose aldo jr taking another loss i didn't see it coming really i'm not as shocked i didn't see him getting stopped again how about that um the ending was surprising max holloway aldo looked good early but there was no leg kicks The, the fight was just crazy and unpredictable in all factions since we're talking about unpredictability um Really, I didn't see anyone that saw it going that way. But the question in this debate is, worse loss for Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor's 13-second knockout, or Max Holloway putting him away in three rounds? The lesser name, the lesser height. Take it away. I'll let you go first again.
3: Oh, uh, uh, do you want to pick a side, or you just want me to pick one?
1: you pick one.
3: Oh, I mean... No, 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 I'll, I'll let you, like, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. I'm going to let you pick which side, and you can go after me to counter. <laughs> All
1: right, why are well, you just trying to style on me now? Okay, I see how this is going. I see. I will take Max Holloway side. Go.
3: All right. So, the reason why Jose Aldo's loss to Conor McGregor is worse than the one to Max Holloway. It is the first time a casual fan got a look at Jose Aldo. And they came into that fight looking at Jose Aldo and heard all these things about how he was a monster. And this is the first time that Jose Aldo was on a big stage headlining a pay-per-view against an opponent that the world was enamored with, which is Conor McGregor, who crossed over into the mainstream. And he got knocked the fuck out in 13 seconds. There is no coming back from that. Nothing. And even though – could, we could, like, this is what I said. This is going back to what I said in that previous argument about the TJ-DJ fight. Even though it was 13 seconds and most people go, shit happens, you get caught. The only thing people remember about Jose Aldo is he got knocked out in 13 seconds. It's not fair, but it's the facts. So him coming into the fight with Max Holloway, a lot of people already said he's damaged goods. So any, the aura of invincibility that Jose Aldo had, if he would have beat uh, Conor McGregor, he would have carried that. And people would have been like, oh shit, Jose Aldo's for real, on a mainstream level. Not just MMA fans like myself, not people who've been watching Jose Aldo ransack the WEC and then came to the UFC and started becoming a defensive points fighter. And that's where he fucked up, first of all. But then he fought Jose Aldo, I mean, Conor McGregor, in a fight that had so much hype behind it as Conor McGregor tormented him through every single city through that, through that world tour, shows up on the grand, grand stage and completely shits the butt. So, of course, that fight's going to be way more devastating because it's the one that people saw and people that remember. People who have never saw an MMA fight watched that fight because they wanted to see what Conor McGregor was going to do. There's a reason why Conor McGregor is the 24th highest paid athlete in the world today and the first MMA fighter to crack that. It's because of how big he is and how popular he is. Max Holloway is not even close. There are a lot of people that if you told them, hey, Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo, they'd probably go, Who? So that's, that that's a, doesn't matter to the casual fan. And then if you tell him, oh, yeah, the guy that Conor McGregor beats in 13 seconds, because that's the only way you can describe Jose Aldo these days.
1: <laughs> that hurts. And it follows him. I'll give you that. And it, that was a devastating loss. You know, damn near 10 years I'm beating before then. Max Holloway is worse. And I'll tell you why. Because Jose Aldo was never going to get mainstream respect anyway. Even if he beat Conor, Conor would have got a rematch and would have been ran back. He doesn't have the mouthpiece of a Nate Diaz to get that real mainstream appeal. Win or lose. The 13-second knockout hurt. But even after that, what was his next fight? Immediate title match. Why? Because true MMA fans, hardcore MMA fans, people who follow the sport all the time, said he got caught. He is still the greatest featherweight, or excuse me, the greatest featherweight fighter, and or small fighter of all time. DJ was, you know, him and DJ were a toss-up, right? He was still held in that high regard, even after the McGregor fight. He went, Frankie Edgar dominated him, cool. He just got caught. This is the Jose we know. Jose's still Jose. It's all good. He's still arguably, he was still the pound-for-pound fighter for a reason, McGregor is just that great. That's all people thought. McGregor is just that great. Okay, he gets a mulligan. Not surprised he holds the belt again. He's going to run through the division again. He just can't beat McGregor. That was the narrative. That's why he got an immediate title shot again. That's why he got awarded uh, the title. Instead of fighting for it, he was just unanimous champion. He was the champion when Conor McGregor moved on. Undisputed again, which it's clearly disputed. And he was that good because of reputation. Because it was just Conor McGregor. Because Conor was that special. All of that is gone now. Max has erased that. Never again will there be fear of Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo wants another title shot. He now has to climb the ranks. He's never had to climb the ranks in the UFC. Ever. Before or after the McGregor knockout. Holloway has erased the entire mystique. And I dare say legacy. Of Jose Aldo. So at Champions, we wrote the article. Oh, Jose Aldo's legacy is ruined because of McGregor's 13-second knockout. Last week on the show, we talked about it. I said it's not ruined. It's still there. McGregor just inherited that. And he took it on and kept it moving. It doesn't hurt you, really. He just He's borrowing that. After you guys are both retired, your legacy will come back. You're straight. This Holloway one wrecks the legacy. Because now he's not as good. Now Holloway's on a longer fight streak than Aldo even, I believe. Aldo in the UFC fought seven times in 10 years. Holloway's on a 10-11 fight winning streak. You could argue Holloway's a better UFC fighter already than Jose Aldo ever was. Not saying that that's true. There's an argument. Jose got knocked down 13 seconds against McGregor. And obviously Holloway went the distance. One of the few to go the distance with McGregor. So there's arguments to be made. Jose's legacy amongst hardcore fans was ruined by getting knocked out, not just beat, knocked out by Max Holloway and crying in the octagon again. This hurts so much more than the flash, oh, it could be a fluke, Conor McGregor knockout. They went toe-to-toe. It was three rounds. Holloway took Jose's best punches, gave him the four-piece combo with the biscuit, and took his belt. And paraded through the streets of Hawaii like the shit was a luau. That's going to hurt forever. I'm not sure if Jose Aldo will ever be the same. Jose Aldo might just veer into like try to go up in weight. He, he could be what we see in Anthony Pettis. Just a shell of himself. And it could be over.
3: So, so here's my question. If I ask you to go out in the street right now and say, explain who Jose Aldo is to somebody, what are you going to tell him?
1: <laughs> that's, that's an unfair question. Hold on. That's an unfair question. Because I, once again, I have to explain this to a casual fan, which you are right. If I'm just talking to a random person, I'd be like, yo, you know, Jose Aldo, the big like, who? The little Brazilian Connor knocked out in 13 seconds. Oh, yeah, he was talking all that, and it's all about Connor. Once again, that's what Connor does. He steals your shot. So that's, that's unfair. Talking about the people, the community that Jose would have forever been respected by which is the hardcore fans, the true MMA fans, everyone that says he just lost to Conor, he is still the best, the best champion this division has ever seen. People were writing these articles before this fight. Holloway has erased that. He took away Aldo's foundation. Conor took away his ability to boost to another level. He still always had his foundation. Holloway's erased the foundation. He ain't got shit to land on. It's a long fall.
3: Well, I think people will still say that Jose Aldo was the greatest featherweight until Holloway breaks Jose Aldo's record. So I don't even think the foundation is completely broken. Everybody loses eventually. I think they're saying McGregor is the best featherweight ever already. Well, I mean, but again, if it, if we're saying that it's Conor kind of McGregor, the person we're not saying is Max Holloway. So when you talk about the worst loss, the Max, most memorable yeah. loss, the the loss that everybody's going to talk about, like people are gonna aren't going to talk about. Pacquiao losing to Timothy Bradley. People are going to talk about Pacquiao losing to Floyd Mayweather and getting knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez. The Bradley thing is something that people are just going to forget about. Like, Tyson's lost several fights. People are going to talk about Buster Douglas because it was so shocking because Tyson was a terrorist. Like, Holly Holm, like, nobody cares. Like, okay, Ronda Rousey, Rousey losing to Holly Holm is worse than Ronda Rousey losing to Amanda Nunez. Why? Because everybody's going to blame Ronda Rousey losing to Amanda Nunez on Holly Holm. Just like everybody has blamed Jose Aldo losing to Max Holloway on Conor McGregor.
1: I was one of those people. Fair point. I said Conor oh. stole his soul. The chin never recovers.
3: So, you know, ultimately, in my humble opinion, Con- just Jose just fought the wrong fight. He's they're just both been... wrong.
1: I mean, they're both bad, though. I mean, we're like, arguing some bad. <laughs> they're both really bad losses.
3: Dude, it's just... Jose Aldo's approach to the fight game is something that I wrote this week. He's it, changed. He has changed. If you watch Jose Aldo, when I watched him do, uh, kill Jonathan Brooklyn, Brookins, Cub Swanson, uh, like he just he killed everybody in WC. Mike Brown, uh, Uriah Fabers dies still like an MMA artifact because it was destroyed. That was a different Jose Aldo. That what happened a Jose to Aldo. the leg kicks?
1: Even when exactly. he was a points fighter, he had leg kicks.
3: But my point is, like if you watch him in W E C like he he was offensive and aggressive. He and was a rookies. killer back then. And, and so when people stepped into the cage with him, before it was the octagon in the UFC, when they stepped into the cage with him, they were concerned. What is he gonna do to me? Who'd he Quit. knock out
1: in 18 seconds or something? Cub? It was like Cub eight, seconds. Was
3: eight seconds. Eight seconds. Yeah, it was dirty. It, and that it was, was with
1: yeah, just reckless abandon. He came with bad intentions.
3: But it's that Jose Aldo that people feared. And Like, he got goaded into being aggressive against Conor McGregor, but every fight, Kenny Florian, Mark Kaminick, Chan Sung Jung, he was like a points fighter. Chad Mendes, like, granted, he knocked out Mendes with that knee in the first fight, but if you watch these fights, he's not as aggressive anymore. People aren't scared of Jose Aldo anymore. Max Holloway, once he realized that Jose Aldo was not going to be aggressive, at the end of the second round, he put his hands up like, what's up, fool? Like, this is is what you're going to do. Like, you're going to let me get close to you and start throwing punches. Like, I said from the beginning, I wouldn't be surprised if Max won because Jose, he's not the same guy. I thought he would deploy a leg kick. Make Max think twice. If Max is standing next to you and just throwing hands, he's going to beat you. And that's what he did. High volume, make Jose uncomfortable, force him to make a mistake, get the chin touch. I didn't pick Max to win, but that's how I thought he would win, and that's how he won. But going back to the original question, it's all because of Conor. His biggest loss will always be Connor, because Connor's claim to fame to be become Conor McGregor, he knocked out Jose Aldo. If he didn't knock out Jose Aldo as quick as he did, he wouldn't be as big. Like the shock and awe of him knocking out a guy that people most people had never heard of but heard was a ten year monster and a savage. And there's no way Conor could beat this guy. And he knocked him out. That made Connor McGregor's career. Like Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo and people were like, oh eh, Connor already did that. So it's the worst loss.
1: Once again, Max Holloway's chasing the ghost at this point of Conor McGregor. It's true. So, I mean, everyone is. That's never going to change in that division because Holloway lost to McGregor. You can't find anyone in that division where you point at and say, oh, they can beat Conor McGregor. You just can't do it right now. So the division is forever cursed, and it's a specter of McGregor just hanging over it. And that's that. We'll see who the fans and the listeners pick. Who is right in this conversation? Me or you? Is it McGregor or is it Holloway? What
3: is the worst loss for Aldo? After number three left, I took on pupils
2: number four and five was older than number two and three and he practiced the lizard style the lizard is a very agile and nimble style, and particularly effective in climbing and it's mastered properly it enables a man to climb like a lizard
1: all right it's wrestling time and you know what that means we get to make andreas upset every time we <laughs> talk wrestling <laughs> the tone switches in the podcast and this one is a tough one. Better storyline heading into the summer, Raw or SmackDown? We're at a point now, which is where we were last year. It was kind of the dog days leading into SummerSlam, where they just repeated everything from WrestleMania, and it's the same old storylines, and they hit the reset button around Money in the Bank time. Um, this time it was the Fatal 5 way in at Raw, which is pretty much Money in the Bank, right? Except we know when the briefcase is getting cashed in. Um, But they had the same thing, an open tournament to see who's the number one contender somewhere down the line. I'm taking Raw. Better storyline going through the summer, and for one reason and one reason only, and that is your boy, Samoa Joe. Him and Paul Heyman's promo. The hell with a match. I don't care who he faces in the match. The promo with him and Paul Heyman was my favorite thing on WWE television. I'd say in the past year.
3: Better than the Festival of Friendship? Better
1: than the Festival of Friendship.
3: Better than Braun Strowman destroying Roman Reigns? Those are my two favorites. Okay, listen,
1: those are great moments. This almost brought a tear to my eye. Samoa Joe's promo. I don't know how this doesn't go the entire summer. I think the WWE put the thing on Samoa Joe. He won. You know what? Great balls of fire. Ho hum. Him and Brock Lesnar go at it. You know, give Samoa Joe a quick moment. Fans been talking about this. Throw him a bone. Joe came up from NXT. Let's see what he has. Lesnar crush him. We'll move into Reigns' territory around SummerSlam or the return of Strowman. Right? I thought that was their mindset. We'll just get Brock through one quick little one-off feud and keep it moving. This promo changes all of that because now this program goes through SummerSlam in one promo. Joe showed what everyone knew, what you knew shit for a decade now which is joe is best as a top guy and as your top guy week in and week out and that's what's special against someone who has to go against brock lesnar is that you have to build the feud by your damn self because lesnar's on limited dates you're building the feud between you and Heyman to eventually wrestle brock lesnar and this promo was gold Everything he said was great. The delivery was amazing. The crowd had to feel it. The way that he dropped the mic and whispered ever so gently into Paul Heyman's ear while stroking and caressing his chin about the way he was going to choke him out. He romanticized choking him out and delivering the message to Lesnar and then followed through with it. When was the last time you saw Uncle Paulie take a bump? Uncle Paulie was laid out, sprawled out. He damn near foamed at the mouth like Finn does. It was incredible. And Lesnar showing up next week. I'm hyped. I'm going to watch Raw next week. I can't wait for that opening segment. Because now I want to see what Lesnar is going to do. I want to see Samoa Joe stand face-to-face with Lesnar. What if they let Samoa Joe choke Lesnar out? How crazy is it? Samoa Joe can't win the match at Great Balls of Fire. (laughs) But he might choke Brock Lesnar out. Like all some real shit. What if Samoa Joe puts him in a leg lock and and gives an ode to Frank Mir? How crazy? The possibilities are endless. I want to see this between now and SummerSlam. I want to see it taken the whole way. Put Roman Reigns on the bench. I don't know who the hell he's going to feud with. I don't care. Samoa Joe is about to carry this feud and really make his mark on Raw. And as a top guy in this company. And if anyone can take the belt off of Brock Lesnar... I wouldn't doubt that it's Samoa Joe. I don't think that he does it, but the feud just feels fresh and new, and I'm hype. This is the best thing in WWE television all summer, and I already know it.
3: Okay, so you just took one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, (laughs) and and I have to argue against this, right? Yes, don't let me go first. (laughs) So so here we go. The reason why SmackDown has a better storyline going into the summer than Raw is because we know the finish to Brock Lesnar's Samoa Joe. Granted, the WWE would be smart to really pay attention to Samoa Joe, but Samoa Joe is put in this position for a reason. For a guy for Brock Lesnar to beat and headed to SummerSlam, and the reason why this happened in the first place was because Braun Strowman got hurt. Let's just be clear here. Strowman doesn't get hurt. They probably set this up a little earlier, but maybe Strowman goes against Lesnar. Lesnar beats Strowman. Like they're clearly working towards this whole Lesnar-Roman WrestleMania thing. Like, maybe that'll change later, but right now, that's the game plan. So, that feud, as much as I'm kind of I'm excited, I wish it was on a bigger stage. But it's had great balls of fire, yo. I think it goes on
1: to SummerSlam. I think I do- Joe proves that it's so hot and so much fire behind
3: it that they keep it going. Yeah, no. Vince is short-sighted. They're using Samoa Joe as a body. Because, let's be clear here. Again. I don't think Samoa Joe was in their big plans heading into the summer until Braun Strowman got hurt. So they have kind of put this together at the last minute on some short-sightedness. and was like, all right, we need to give him a a warm body that he could beat. I didn't think Samoa Joe would win Extreme Rules because I didn't think it would be wise to feed him the Lesnar. Now, hopefully this isn't a squash match, which I don't think it will be. I think Brock is going to have to fight for once, but we don't know. Like We clearly don't know. But we know that Lesnar's going to win. Like we all can agree that there's no way Lesnar's going to drop the strap at Great Balls of Fire. That's just not happening. Do you have to say it like that? Though? Yeah, because it's the worst name pay per view probably in the history of pay per views. This is awful. There's been some bad ones, but yeah, you I don't right. I have no idea why this is. So to argue the side of SmackDown, there's a lot more unpredictability going on with Money in the Bank. There's a lot more talent involved here between Shinsuke Nakamura and and. and before, I, uh, Let me preface it with this. The odds makers right now have Baron Corbin winning Money in the Bank. And if that happens... Oh, I'm...
1: shit. But,
3: <laughs> but the fact that you have Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Baron Corbin, um, and Dolph Ziggler all involved in this Money in the Bank ladder match is already the best match of the summer. Because as much as I would love to see Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar, I said this on Twitter, it's not 2005. We're not getting 2005 Lesnar or 2005 Joe. So... Whatever happens, I th- still think it's going to be Lesnar's best match. It should be, but I don't think Lesnar can go twenty, thirty minutes, right? So this ladder match is a lot better. It's a lot more interesting. I don't know who's going to win. Baron Corbin wins, I'd be disgusted. It. it wouldn't make any sense <laughs> because like, he will holds the title right now. But that that whoever holds that briefcase, and you know, I've always wanted to see it. I, th- I think Kevin Owens should be the one to hold the briefcase. By the way, I don't think it should be Nakamura. I think it should be Kevin Owens. Because Kevin Owens is the best mouthpiece on SmackDown right now. and he, He's a clear agitator, and he knows how to be a heel. So him teasing the cash in the briefcase against anybody is much more fun than anybody else having it. Even Shinsuke Nakamura, because let's be real, Shinsuke doesn't cut great promos. He's, he's more of an attraction than a, you know a complete wrestler. So I'm more intrigued by that. And SmackDown as a whole is a better show than Raw. Even the women's Money in the Bank is more intriguing than anything that's going on in the Raw women's division right now because ba- they, look, they've effectively buried Bailey. It's oh, it's horrible. Over. It's over for her to lose in five minutes to Alexa Bliss. Clearly, means we have lost confidence in Bailey and we need to move on. So that entire women's division, because between her and Sasha being involved in a mixed tag match against Elisa Fox, that women's division's falling off. So the women's SmackDown division, even though Naomi and Lana is, is, a, is a joke. That's going to be a horrible match. Unless, unless there is something we have never seen before, which I just don't believe, right? I just believe that just – I have no idea why they're doing this. It must be something that we don't know. And I forgot, Sami Zayn is also in the Money in the Bank ladder match. This Money in the Bank ladder match is going to be the shit. It's going be <laughs> to be better than anything else. That, that five-way was good, though. Five-way was good, but Money in the Bank is going to be better. Come on. It's just this. It. Baron is the worst talent you got in the ring. But everybody else is remarkable. Um, but SmackDown, they, they, they bring Zango. It's more fun than the tag team division right now. The New Day, they're back. SmackDown's a better show. They have the better storylines. I'm more intrigued. But with if you're them. not
1: better at the top, if your top is Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, you are going to lose this summer. And if it's
3: Randy Orton versus
1: Baron Corbin, we're all going to pull our damn head, hair up.
3: Yeah, it probably won't be. I mean, look, Jinder Mahal, like I, 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 it's it's hard for me to make this argument because I've already argued against it. He's terrible in the ring. not fun <laughs> to watch. Brandi Orton, not fun to watch. This is your top program. Not fun to watch. But everything else underneath, it's a lot better. So, And I figure if you ask me through the summer, I figure if Joe and Lesnar becomes a one-off and then Brock Lesnar takes the title and holds it hostage again until SummerSlam and we don't see him anymore, I'm going to be more intrigued with what SmackDown does. It's more interesting. It's better. I don't think Joe Lesnar carries up in the SummerSlam unless there's a change of plans. Because obviously that's not the game plan they have in mind. It's not. And I think the other thing to look at here is if, if we're if, – so let me ask you. Do you think that the plans that WWE has right now is Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns and WrestleMania next year?
1: I do. I do.
3: Okay. And so I think he is-
1: holds the belt
3: until then, which is sad. So if that happens, if that is the plan, which none nobody wants to see, none of us, nobody, that means that Brock Lesnar needs to beat Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. Mm, is who's left? Is there anybody left? Am I missing anybody that should be worthy of a title shot?
1: Um, no, not really. I mean, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, he was in the match. Like you're just gonna. T-
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah. So, but my point is, is that. Brock needs to beat Joe now, Braun, Seth at Survivor Series, and Finn at Royal Rumble. That's kind of like how it has to go before we get to WrestleMania, right? Hopefully they're not all squash matches, but I figure that this is the route they have to go. That's not a lot of room for Joe to have a rematch with Brock Lesnar. As unfortunate as it is, it's kind of like Dean Ambrose and Triple H's feud – when you knew that Dean couldn't beat Triple H before he had to uh, wrestle at WrestleMania, like Dean had to lose, but they had a great match. It wasn't Speedbump? Bump. What the hell's his name? Roadblock. Roadblock. Little... Speed
1: Bump. <laughs> Same shit.
3: <laughs> but Dean Ambrose ended up having a great match with Triple H. And people were like, dude, maybe this should change. Maybe basically should make it a triple threat. Like we all got excited because we, we, we haven't seen that Dean Ambrose since. But we all got excited, and everybody talked about how great that match was. But then it was over and never heard from again. Same thing's going to happen with Joe. So I can't, as much as I love Joe, as much as I love to agree with you here, we're in a debate, and I have to debate the fact. And the fact is, the more interest lies in SmackDown because Raw is entirely too predictable.
1: Uh, Listen, I hope you're right because I really like SmackDown, but I don't think they can produce anything close to what we're going to see in Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar, and it better not let me down because I'm entirely
3: too hyped for this feud. And you've been calling for it since Joe came over. I been call, dude, I called for it before Joe. Like I when I when I used to watch Joe on TNA before it, when Joe was still in the X Division because he was ridiculous. This is like my wealth of wrestling knowledge is, is pretty damn deep. So when I saw Joe back then, I was like, "Damn, wouldn't it be great to like two athletic big guys?" Yeah. Right? Old One school Lesnar though, more than three moves. That's what Lesner. I'm saying. Yeah. 2005, like when Lesnar was trucking and like. Yeah, the shooting star press, great. But there was so much more that Lesnar did in the ring. Like he his Suplexes,
1: been, clotheslines, he don't got none of that shit
3: anymore. Like, he's been reduced to Suplex City and, like, a clothesline and an F5. So it's like it's hard for me to get excited that, like, hopefully Joe brings out the best of them. But it's not really. We don't really see that parody in between those two.
1: No, I, I think it's going to be like an MMA shoot, though. I think you're going to see, like,. Stuff that looks like real punches You're going to see a takedown, the ground and pound Joe covering up, you're going to see ground transitions Uh, It's going to be 5 to 6 minutes Of what looks like Octagon fighting, with an F5 at that We'll see And that I am excited for The last Last, last, last Thing to argue today in our Versus episode Is coming up right now
2: The fifth pupil He practiced the toad style Four and five knew each other, but never met the other three. The tone style is immensely strong and immune to nearly any weapon. When it's properly used, it's almost invincible. It can even bend solid metal.
1: The last one! This is it, and we got to choose our sides right now, just on air, because I already know my side. I'm not even giving you an option. We're talking New Japan Pro Wrestling, because we've been on a huge New Japan kick. Everyone who's been listening to the show knows it. Several people have gone out and got New Japan World just because of it. We're on it. This is time where New Japan ramps up. It really never has a down period, but this is when it really gets hot, and we just saw the end of Best of the Super Juniors tournament. In which, don't spoil the last night for me. I still haven't seen it. But wow. I saw everything. Don't wow me. <laughs> everything leading up. Osprey is in it again. I can't believe it. Um, I have to see how it ends. But I'm hyped for Dominion, which comes on Friday, depending on when you guys listen to this. Either it's out already or you guys still have time to catch it and be super hyped like us to watch Dominion. Kenny Omega, another shot at the title before the U- uh, their USA tour. I think he wins it versus Okada. That's going to be a great matchup. Great matchups all up and down that card. But our question right now is better tournament, best of Super Juniors or the G1 Climax? I'm going first. I'm taking best of the Super Juniors. Why? Simple. I love the flippy shit. I will forever love the flippy shit. There's very little better in professional wrestling than Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. I like the, the core, choreography they show. They mix in a little bit of strong style. I like to see all the tricks, all the aerials, shit. That man, just growing up and watching the WCW cruiserweight, di- you know, division, and for so long that was the best thing going in WCW for actual wrestling. And these guys do the same thing. They just take it to the next level. So many good matches. Uh, Marty Skrull this year. ACH, um, Juice and Thunder Ligers, old ass, who's getting in matches, giving it his all. Everyone showed out this year. And I think this is going to... When we look back, you know, late summer, early fall, Best of Super Juniors is going to be light years beyond what we see in G1. Even though I, I like the stories told through G1. And the booking is great and everything. Maybe better stories as far as matches. I don't think it can top Best of Super Juniors. Are you done? I'm done.
3: I'm you're do- done. Oh, okay.
1: king of New Japan. Tell me how I am wrong.
3: You're You're so, like... The G1 Climax is the best tournament in pro wrestling by a country mile. Best of Super Juniors was this an excellent— This year, though.
1: This year.
3: It'll be better this year, too. Best of Super Juniors, like, okay. How long have you been watching New Japan?
1: I've been watching it for two and a half years. Thank you. All right. Thank you for putting All me right. on.
3: <laughs> so, if you do yourself a favor, go back and read Dave Meltzer's rating. Now, look, Dave Meltz is not always right with his five-star ratings. G1 Climax produces more five-star matches than any wrestling pay-per-view event ever. Consistently. It's very true. Always. Best of Super Juniors this year was great. You had Will Ospreay. You had Marty School, You had a lot of rising talent. But without the G1 Climax, which is always, it's never not delivered. Like, let's just be clear here. The tournament itself is never not delivered. At least one five-star match. So, to say it, to suggest the best of Super Juniors would be better is ridiculous. Uh, yes, It's going to be I, hard to
1: top that Skrull-Osprey match. In which, just because it has some flippy shit, it doesn't get a five-star rating, but don't get me started.
3: Look, look, look. Osprey-Skrull was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't close to a five-star match. The, the matches that, you, that have been five-star this year have involved who? Kenny Omega.
1: Okada.
3: Who, competed, who once competed in the best of Super Juniors. And Okada who is consistently producing, Tanahashi is also in this. So, and Ishii is also in this. Shibata, you know, hope he gets better. He, he doesn't seem like he, he may not ever come back. But you have guys who have consistently produced four and a half to five star matches, competing in this round robin tournament in G1. Best of Super Juniors doesn't have that. They don't have that level of talent. And... and
1: their talent Rhett. pool this year is deeper than it's been in a long time. In block A. Yeah, Block B was a little, little let's, thin. Let's be but honest. But they stagged
3: it, G1 like that a lot as well. Well, no, because you had Naito, who I can never forget. I saw
1: a lot of bad luck fallet last year in Block B.
3: Of course, but we saw like Volador Jr. this year in in, in Best of Super Juniors. So <laughs> and we saw Takamichinoku and oh, Rhett, that was ugly. As much as we like Juice and Thunder Liger, I mean, come on, man. He's not—he's he, a legend by name, and his matches are okay. He had right? some okay his,
1: matches, yeah. He I did, mean, he did. Know. His
3: match with Osprey was okay. Sorry. G1, yes, there are going to be a few matches, because G1 is extremely long, and it takes several weeks to get through, that there are going to be matches that aren't great. But when the highs reach the high, they're going to top Best of Super Juniors. And you can you can put your bottom dollar on that. There is, there is no way that Best of Super Junior is going to be better than G1 because it's never happened, and it's not happening this year. G1 is the better tournament. And if you're a pro wrestling fan, and if you're a pro fan, I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, the guys who you're watching today were putting on excellent matches in G1. And in order to get that title shot, like Tanahashi winning and facing Okada, like these guys had to go through G1 and put on these classic matches to get there. G1's a better tournament. And it, 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 on top of that, it just has more meaning. It's it a more meaningful meaning.
1: Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you go and you get the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom, the biggest, biggest wrestling pay per view on earth is Wrestle Kingdom. So to headline that and you actually headline it, <clears throat> Vince McMahon, it is huge. Still, with all that said, I'm not, sh- I'm not sold on this year's G One climax. We I haven't feel even like- seen
3: the field yet.
1: But, I mean, just with their talent. I, granted, they bring in people. They always surprise, right? Um, what? Big Mike Elgin came through and had one hell of a run. Showed out.
3: Yep. Right? And that, became a staple. Yeah, yes, that,
1: that surprised the hell out of me. I didn't pick that right away. We, I didn't even know he was in the field come this time last year. So, I mean, there's going to be surprises, right? I don't like uh, Juice Robinson. He's probably going to get a huge push.
3: I don't know if he'll be I don't think he's gonna be in the tournament. I I think he's gonna be involved with the never open way title. Don't think I don't think Ghetto's gonna book him for that.
1: Oh, see I, I thought just be in it. Yeah, you just never it's right like I just this year it's kinda of weird because so much is revolving around Omega and Okada that I'm not sure where anyone else fits. Because their story is still so fluid that I feel like they have to finish it at Wrestle Kingdom next year.
3: Well, uh, but then again, it's just like, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to spoil the finish of best of Super Juniors, but there were so many storylines there that you weren't really sure was going to win. G1 is kind of the same way because you have Naito, you have uh, Ishii, who always just puts on great matches. He's not going to win the tournament. Uh, You have Kenny Omega, of course, whether, whether he beats Okada or not you know because the champions in the tournament as well so it's like you have there's a lot of factors that go into g1 that just make this a much better tournament because takahashi was in the best of super juniors right and yeah. he lost and he didn't he didn't even make it to the finals <laughs> so it's like but that's what happens like g1 the champion usually doesn't win we haven't seen it happen yet so whoever is the I champion thought Okada won
1: once. is the champion once and then dropped the belt and then that's how he got the belt back
3: I can't remember that. But I, I
1: thought that was it. I thought he entered, wanted his champion, dropped the belt at like the next pay-per-view, and then went and obviously got the belt back. But
3: but the point is, G1 has better matches. G1 has a bigger story to tell. And G1 culminates with a bigger story to tell in the grandest stage of them all.
1: There's just so many question marks this year that I'm not sure.
3: Tama Tonga you know, is getting listen. a put po- like,
1: do
3: I Listen, have to watch Tama in a final? Like, I yeah, don't want to see that. Actually, Tama actually, Tonga's pretty good. He's got a lot better. <laughs> and he, he, Tama is better than a lot of guys on the WWE roster. Listen, a lot of people last year said, I don't know what's going to happen. AJ Styles and Nakamura left and I was Gallows and people. Anderson. Yeah. And what happened? They turned in one of their better tournaments. That nobody caught was... fire. That's what exactly. happened. Exactly. So you can never, like, if you learned any lesson over the past year, in your, in your two and a half years of watching New Japan, if you learned any lesson is you can't count out New Japan to still put on the best wrestling in the world.
1: They always find a way.
3: So with that being said, you can have your question marks. But When G1 happens, you're going to be watching, you're going to be more emotionally invested as much as you love the flippy shit.
1: Love the flippy shit.
3: You're going to be more invested in in what happens in G1. Because whatever happens this weekend with Okada and Kenny Omega, yes, it will carry over into G1. But there is no guarantee that these two will rematch at Wrestle Kingdom. So you're going to be glued trying to figure out what's going to happen. And along the way, you're going to get some very special matches.
1: Well, I hope so. We shall see. You guys let us know what you think of each one of our Versus segments, who won what, where you guys stand. But for right now, it is the end of the show. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Make sure you guys pack this weekend full of wrestling. Next weekend, we have boxing. We have MMA to gear up for. There's MMA every weekend. But next weekend, we have the Black Beast putting in work. So that's going to be fun. Tons of good stuff to talk about. We have Money in the Bank next weekend as well. So it's packed show next week. And I'm sure someone's going to do some crazy shit that we have to talk about in the beginning of the show. So thank you guys for listening. Until then, we're out.
3: Peace.